The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Here on The Morning Drive, I thought this was cool. It's not sports related, but I thought it was cool. The um, United States Navy has a new supercarrier. It's the USS John F. Kennedy. And um, I saw this video last night. This headline just it captivated me. It says, the uh, new video shows next supercarrier catapulting heavy cars into a river to make sure the warship can handle planes. And it shows, it shows video of them launching like these heavy wheeled vehicles onto catapults and launching them into a river <laughs> i mean it's really really cool and they're, yeah, it's they're, not like a like a something that chuck would be driving when it, we're talking about a car it's more like a cart yeah that like weighs what an fa-18 would yes that's exactly right that that's have you seen this yes it's yeah. still like a catapult launch i don't care what you're launching is cool and you're launching something that isn't a plane i'm gonna watch that too this large wheeled car-like structures uh, weighs up to 80,000 pounds and like Jeff said, simulates the weight of actual aircraft as they lift off of, um, of the carrier and into the water. Now, they do go down and retrieve the cars, okay? okay. So not just leaving them there to swim with the fishes, so to speak. Right, because you want to use them again. Right, that's exactly right. They, they travel more than 300 feet down a track at 150 miles an hour and then they they hit the water. Sometimes they skip like a stone on a river. But it's really really cool. I mean, it's something like if you're you know a forty something year old dad and you've got a ten or eleven year old kid, maybe even a toddler, you know, younger kid. You, you, this would be something you could look at and go, "How cool is this, boys?" And mom's just going to shake her head, right? But I mean, I th- I thought it was I thought it was really cool. So I would hope to find a mom that uh, looks at that and goes, "Okay, that was pretty cool." Yes, I think once I think if you said that to the mom, she'd probably shake her head. But then when you throw it up on the big screen, yeah, then like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty that's, cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, boys. Yeah, that's 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 pretty that's pretty cool. Anyway, so that I thought that was I thought that was uh, I thought that was something. Uh, the latest uh, Division One. A D1 baseball top 25 poll is out. Uh, of course, the Red Raiders are ranked. Uh, this one is uh, has you at 18th. It's still, obviously, very, very early on in the season. Um, but uh, Tech is 6-2, and two, and they'll take on Gardner-Webb this weekend. Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon as well. So no midweek this week. Does that give them kind of a opportunity to go back and maybe look at what they did over the last couple of weekends, work on some fundamentals or just, just practice and let some guys get some bullpen in and some hitting and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I think practice is the key there. That's something that, you know, sometimes you hear coaches both in basketball and baseball talk about, man, the season gets going and you're playing a bunch of games and we don't get enough time to just practice. Right. And so this is probably something that they'll – They'll do it. Also, give them time to scrimmage. They'll probably scrimmage, and some of the guys that didn't get in this weekend will get to, to get more opportunities and scrimmages this week. That would be my guess. Okay, so uh, no midweek this week, and then you have this weekend and next weekend, and then it's 
it's just crazy. Then conference play starts. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it earlier this year or does it just seem earlier this year? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Okay. It's usually sometime at around here. You don't don't go too far, but yeah, it might be. It might be a week earlier than normal. Remember, sometimes there are teams that you know start the Big Twelve season before other teams. So maybe mm-hmm. we're just one of the teams that's starting right off the bat this year. Does and remember, it, you have more conference series. That's just what I was getting ready to ask you. There, there's is it one more? Or is it two more? Uh, I think you have ten conference series now, and I mean previously you only had eight. Okay, so they would be two, two more. more. Yeah, and then wonder what it looks like once you get to the sixteen. Well, it would be what fourteen because what Colorado and be, Iowa State don't play baseball. I wouldn't have guessed you'll. I wouldn't guess you're going to play more than than the ten conference the 10. series. Just like now, you're there's a few teams that you're not playing. I'm assuming it'll be the same way next year. Okay, so be so just more teams that you're not playing. More teams year. that you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like that or would you rather? Would you rather sacrifice some of these non-conference games and play play everybody? Well, I don't think you can play everybody. I mean, if you're talking about next year when you have 14 teams in the conference, you're going to play 42 conference games. I mean, you're, it would probably help your RPI, but um, yeah, no, I don't think you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, just just like you're not just like you're not going to do that in basketball. Now, on the men's side next year, they're going to they're going to play 20 conference games. Uh, but on the men, on women's side, they're going to stay with with eighteen, uh, even though they're going to start before Christmas is what it looks like with the conference season. So, uh, you know, there previously there've been many many years where you didn't start until after the first of the year with your conference season. But now for the last few years, you've started right around um, New Year's weekend or just a, a little bit before. Like this year, the the women started on the thirtieth of December. And the men were right there with them. Um, and so I think the men started a week later because the t- conference tournament's a week later. So, But this coming year, in 24-25, in uh, you'll start uh, start the women's conference season. will start before Christmas, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of crazy. Uh, I wish they would expand it to uh, 20 conference games like the men, but I'm not sure the, the reasoning behind that. I'm sure there is something. Um, behind that, but the men will go to uh, to 20 conference games next year. Speaking of expansion, um, what, do you, what do you think of uh, the NCAA going beyond 68 teams? Don't, do you think it's enough right now, or do you think it needs to bloat it up as uh, some have floated this idea? Charlie Baker, the, the head of the NCAA for the time being, um, of going to 96, which I think is just absolutely crazy. Um, so everybody would play, I mean, so you would potentially have one more game. I would assume, are we going to play like everybody's going to play on, everybody, is everybody going to play three times the first week or whatever? I don't have an issue with that. I mean, in with basketball. With going to 96? Yeah, basketball seems like uh, it's a sport that could handle it. It just... Um, I guess I'm just wanting to know what the scheduling would look like. Okay. Uh, Jay Billis called the idea profoundly stupid. <laughs> not, that, <clears throat> not that he speaks for everyone in college basketball, uh, but he certainly seems like he's become the face of college basketball from uh, from that. He says this, uh, never underestimate the NCAA's capacity to do something stupid. <clears throat> 
<coughs> excuse me. And if they did this, it would be profoundly stupid. When anyone says more teams need access to the tournament, every team has the same access to the tournament now. All you have to do is win your conference automatic bid, which is against your peers with a group of teams that you have chosen to be among, which that does make a lot of sense right there. Yes, but I mean, I mean, my beef with the whole thing is we know it's not the best 64 teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're putting in a bunch of automatic bid teams. Okay, mm-hmm. so what's going to end up is you're going to get more of the Power Five conference teams that are good that you know didn't didn't make it in, and we all know that there's some schmuck school from the AAC or whatever sure. that won the conference tournament that got in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, you're you're putting better teams in there ultimately. Yeah. It's not like you're picking the bottom of the barrel to get in. Mm-hmm. We know that there's good teams for Power 5 conferences that don't get in over teams from small conferences that do get in. So put them in. I don't know. It just seems to me like getting to 96 is is more than what you need. I mean, I... I don't know. I kind of like the tournament the way it is right now. But then... I would have told you I liked it at 64. I didn't necessarily yeah, the like... the stupidest thing to me is the play-in games. Yes. No, that, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I'm, so, I'm so with you on that. I wish that would, wish they would, wish they would change that so that would make, make more, more sense so that all the 16 seats played in that. That, that would make more sense. There's no question, there's no question about that. Um, I thought when it, was 40, when it went from 48 to 64, I mean, there was... There was a lot of discussion about that too about oh my god we're going to 64 teams well i think in football you get to the point where it's i mean football is a more physical demanding sport and all that and you get to the point where eh, these teams are really good enough to win it all okay well i i think these are these teams you you would be putting in are at least good enough to do damage mm-hmm. and take down some of these you know non-power five conference automatic bids so they they would make it more entertaining yeah or uh, basketball. I don't know what we would complain of. We all love college basketball's March Madness. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Today is February the 27th, 2024. Here is Jeff McGuire. Going to start us off in 1959. Boston Celtics' Bob Cousy sets an NBA record with 28 assists. Mm. As the Celtics score 173 points against the Minneapolis Lakers. Nice. 1963, Mickey Mantle of the Yankees signs a baseball contract worth $100,000. Big money. Everybody was outraged by that amount of money. 1971, on a night where Texas Tech shoots 68% from the floor, Greg Lowry go, goes 15 for 18 and scores 35 points in a 103-92 win over SMU. What did they shoot from the floor? 68%? 68%. How about play a little defense there, ponies? <laughs> Holy cow. wonder what the points in the paint number was that night. Feels like a lot of, a lot of layups. Well, this is before the three-point line, so... I wonder if they kept points in the paint in those days. Uh, so remember Mickey in 63 got $100,000. Right. Ten years later, White Sox slugger Dick Allen signs a three-year contract 
for $750,000. Nineteen eighty-five, Bubba Jennings scores twenty-three points, and Texas Tech holds SMU scoreless in the last five minutes to earn their first Southwest Conference title in twelve years, winning fifty-nine to fifty-four. Way to go, Bubba! Well, so now we know that SMU can't play defense or offense. <laughs> and no, and no three-point line for Bubba Jennings back in the day either. And in 2007, Mark Messier's number 11 jersey is retired by the Edmonton Orioles. Oilers, excuse me. It is National Strawberry Day and National Kahlua Day. Oh. I have some strawberries right over here. I've got a strawberry smoothie. Happy birthday to Kate Mara, who's 41. Chelsea Clinton, 44. Tony Gonzalez, 48. And James Worthy is 63. Wow, James Worthy, 63. And in 1980, when the Beechcraft Bonanza carrying Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper crashed outside Clear Lake, Iowa in the early morning hours of February 3rd, 1959, it it struck the ground with such a force that all three passengers were killed instantly. And the plane wreckage was uh, thrown across 300 yards of snow-covered cornfields. The death certificate noted the clothing Buddy Holly was wearing and the with the presence of a leather suitcase near his body and the following personal effects. About $193 in cash, which $11 was used for coroner fees. Two cufflinks that were silver half-inch balls having jeweled bands and a top portion of a ballpoint pen. Notice anything missing? Watch. Something a little more famous than his watch. Glasses? His glasses. Those famous glasses were presumed lost forever until the announcement on February uh, 29th, 1980, when they had resurfaced in Mason City, Iowa. In the violence of the crash in 59, they were thrown clear of the other wreckage and buried in the snow. They were found along with the Big Bopper's watch that same spring when the melting snow finally made them visible again. Though they were handled immediately... To the county sheriff's office, they sat filed away for the next 21 years in a sealed manila envelope marked recovered April 7th, 1959. That envelope was opened by Sheriff Jerry Allen on this day in 1980, and those glasses were eventually returned to Holly's widow. And that is this day in sports history. Wow, how about that? All right. That is the day in sports history. Thank you, Jeff. 651 this morning here on the morning drive. That's kind of a little Paul Harvey-ish rest of the story right there. Yeah, you just wonder why they didn't give them to him sooner. Yeah, yeah. yeah all, all those, I was all those, there. All those things. Uh, Texas Tech in that uh, 1984-85 season was knocked out of the NCAA tournament by Boston College. Uh, Boston College would go on to win over Duke and then uh, advanced to uh, play in the Sweet 16 against Memphis State as it was known at the time and I I believe Memphis State went to the Final Four that year Um, and I think eventually they had to give up that crown the Final Four because of recruiting improprieties by their uh, head coach 
So that uh, I was just I was curious how far because those were days that was that was the year eighty five would have been the first year of the sixty four team tournament. Okay, because that was the Georgetown Villanova. Um. Yeah, they had they Memphis State went to the Final Four, and that Final Four was was vacated. Dana Kirk was uh, was the coach uh, of that team. Let's see if anybody's name Keith Lee was on that team. Vincent Askew was on that team. Baskerville Holmes was on that team. William Bedford, who was a seven footer, was on that team. They had a they had a fantastic team. Maybe there's a reason for that. they went uh, they went 31 and 4 but that that final four was known for Villanova and Georgetown Mm -hmm. and and Villanova winning um, winning it all obviously Uh, somebody says this off the Yates Flooring Center chat line in reference to our discussion about going to 96 teams schmuck double A school wow well when you look at them I mean, you got one team in the conference that's fourteen and one, and Charlotte is eleven and four. FAU is eleven and four. UAB is ten and four. SMU is ten and five. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you looked at who they played, they played each other and probably nobody else. But you know, one of the couple of those teams are going to get into the. NCAA tournament by virtue of their one automatic bid and maybe get one other uh, potentially a team like Charlotte or Florida Atlantic so to speak to what what you said I mean they'll they're gonna maybe take somebody else's spot you guys like a little bit more on the buddy holly glasses that I just got on my uh, personal line sure I heard they were in an envelope that were found behind a filing cabinet they had that had fallen behind it and was found when they were moving the filing cabinet. Oh, That's wow. why it took so long. Okay. So uh, the little uh, chat, uh, personal chat line helped uh, extending the story even further. Yeah, you know the high sheriff of the county stuffed so much evidence to file in the in the filing deal, and that that, that just kind of fell out. And when they when they got in the new filing or, cabinet, or it was moved. placed on top of the filing cabinet and, so that they could be handed out immediately yeah, we, and got bumped and slid behind the cabinet right we've all done that before yeah and then you find it and go oh that's where that was mm-hmm. it's, it's always so funny when you're looking for something that you can't find you always find something else that sometimes is more valuable than what you were looking for yeah like when we moved yeah i found the the mike leach playbook it was kind of cool did you really <laughs> no okay well, I mean, you don't know. He left those things out all over the place when you would go over to that building. So it, w- it would not have surprised me if somebody would have picked one up. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey, good morning. It is the Morning Drive on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. We come to you this morning from the First United Bank Studio. Thoughts, comments? If you have a score prediction for tonight you want to give us, a Yates Flooring Center chat line is open. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open too. If you care to call in and voice it. I will have uh, high school uh, playoff uh, action tonight for you from uh, Clyde. You ever been to Clyde? Been through it. Where is it? It's 
on the way towards the Metroplex. Okay. I'm sure I've been through it then. Um, I guess you probably don't even know that it's there when you go by it. Yeah, I don't think it's right there on 20, but. Yeah. You probably got a Ford house and, you know, some kind of diner and, you know, big box store and sleepy suburb. I don't know. Be my guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Number 25, uh, Friendship, will take on VR Eaton tonight. You have a gut feel on this one? Um, I no, like a I'm feeling fifty fifty on this. One. Feeling fifty fifty on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have it for you at six tonight on Sunny ninety seven seven. So the sun won't be down, and friendship will be will be playing in Clyde tonight. You ever notice that when you go to you go to a small town, you asking them how to get to. Hey, go down to the Ford House, and you turn left. And uh, you got the Piggly Wiggly over there on the right, and then you take the next left at Maggie's Diner. Uh, I think most people that are asking for directions are just looking to talk. I mean, you have a phone with a GPS, GPS, I know, or but whatever on it. I know you're right. You're right. I mean, there's no reason to talk to anybody anymore. You just got everything right here in your in your hand. You can just go. Psh. Isn't that just easier and faster? Probably so. I mean, probably so. But you know, there 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 was a time though when you'd walk into some. Hey, you know how to get over to so and so? Yeah, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. or you go to a you go on, a lot of. Do you know where the high school football stadium is? Yeah, you just kind of yeah. look for the lights, right? That's what I would always do. Oh, the lights are over there. That's if you can see them, you can get there. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I kind of kind of mm-hmm. the, the thought process. Well, if you can see it, you can get there. Uh, also tonight, number the. Uh, in Class 3A play, Shallow Water will take on Canadian. Uh, that'll be at 6.30 um, at uh, Amarillo High School uh, tonight. So be uh, be looking for that. So that's kind of gives you a little bit up to speed on the on the high school hoops for tonight. And then we'll have uh, <coughs> Liberty Girls softball uh, today against Childress. That'll be on uh, 93.1 Texas FM. That'll be tonight at 5. All right, so going back to the last time you played Texas, Jamie, which was January the 6th, so, man, right at the very, very start of the season. This is your, your first Big 12 game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple, couple things that stand out to me, and, and these are probably still true today. Uh, Texas won the battle for second-chance points. Doesn't surprise you, right? They had 21 second-chance points, and Texas Tech had five. Uh, Tech out – was out rebounded 38 to 27 but on the offensive boards Texas had fight 15 and Texas Tech had four um You'd love to do better in that area love to do better in that area in points off turnovers um Texas had 14 turnovers led to 23 Texas Tech points Tech only had nine turnovers led to 12 Texas points but here's, here's maybe the key stat to kind of keep an eye on tonight because you're going to have to be – I don't think you'd have to necessarily be as close as this, but if, if you're not hitting threes, and you sure do. Uh, points in the paint, Texas had 32 to Texas Tech's 30. Now, for the Red Raiders in this game, Pop Isaacs had 21. He was 3 of 5 from distance. He led all Tech scores and led all game scores. And then two – Guys had 15 each. Joe Tucson had 15. 
and then uh, Warren Washington had 15. He was 5 of 5 from the field and 5 of 8 from the free throw line. The big fellow hitting free throws. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, For Texas, Tyrese Hunter had 20. Max Asmith had 18. And Dylan Mitchell had 16 points. Uh, Their leading scorer, Dylan Daisu, or Daiso uh, had uh, had nine points uh, on the day. Take your thoughts, comments, the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double t ninety seven three dot com for that. Um, at, at any rate, you know you you know probably what you're going to need to do is hit more. You hit seven threes the last time out, seven of fifteen. They were six of eighteen. So you need to hit at least at least that many. Yeah, if you're if you if you don't have your your post presence in Warren Washington, and you're not. You're not getting inside a lot. You definitely have to shoot well from outside. And this is not against Texas. This is not against anybody. This is basketball, right? One on one. I mean, if you're if you're not scoring in the paint, you better be shooting well from the outside. And then the other thing they were able to do, and this speaks to what you just were talking about with dribble penetration and driving the lane, is they got to the free throw line 21 times. So yep. 15 to 21 from the free throw line. Texas, meanwhile, was nine to 14. Mm-hmm. And and you won the game by uh, eleven points, seventy eight to sixty seven. So obviously those were those were key points, and the extra three that you made, you made seven, they made six. So kind of comes kind of comes down to that um, those those two things, and then you made two more field goals, twenty eight of fifty three, so fifty three percent, and they were twenty six of sixty three. So they put up ten more shots. Uh, they got some extra possessions, probably because of the offensive rebounding, right? Um, Doesn't it feel like just years ago that this game was played? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hard for me to even remember this game, to be just yeah. quite honest with you. I mean, no offense to any of your stats, but it just feels like this is like right now it's all about do we have a healthy team and like whatever happened the first time, like I can't even remember what no, happened you, the first yeah. time. Yeah, it's just like, man, are we are we healthy? Are we ready to go? Mm-hmm. Um, is pop shooting well? I mean, these are the things that I have bouncing around in my head right now, um, and kind of just completely forgetting what the first game was like. I just remember the Red Raiders coming out mm-hmm. with a lot of energy, and um, I think took an early lead. Then Texas fought back in the first half, but then you just took over early on in the second half and just ran away, which was great to see. Uh, this Chuck always uses Chuck sense. That's great. I don't know if that's sarcasm or not. Perhaps. Well, at least you have some sense. <laughs> it's better than having no sense. I don't know. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station. Double T 97.3. Okay, so uh, this is kind of a, I think an easy one. Okay, I was hoping for a simple one today. I'm always hoping. Are they really too difficult? It was pretty easy. Some days it, some days seem. I mean, I refrain from asking baseball questions. Oh, you can, you can. I'm not, I'm I'm not completely inept at it. You know. I just try to make it as easy as possible. I appreciate that. Okay. So I I want you to give me two guys for the Red Raiders tonight, okay, Mm. that you feel like they have to be really good 
mm-hmm. for the Red Raiders to win. Doesn't mean they have to be the leading scorers, but two guys that you feel have to be really good if Tech is going to win. Two guys. Okay. I'm going to assume that you do not have um, Chance McMillan and Warren Washington tonight. I'm just going to assume that. Okay. So okay. I think one guy that he's been a money guy for you the last five games. Uh, he's been a money guy for you at times, but Darion Williams, I think, I think he could have a big game tonight. Uh, he's averaging 17.6 points a game, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. I'm torn between Robert Jennings and Joe Toussaint, but I think going back to what you had to say about, you know, dribble penetration and being tough and getting to the free throw line and all those things, uh, I'm going to say Joe Toussaint. So those are my two guys tonight, uh, that not, not Tucson doesn't necessarily have to be the you know in double figures, but man, it sure be nice if he could get to ten and get to the free throw line and hit a few. And for Darion, I think if he gets uh, seventeen or more tonight, and Tucson gets ten or more tonight, you win the ball game. Okay, I might be cheating here. Pop and Isaacs. That's how bad he needs to get going. For as bad as he has been, specifically from behind the arc, uh, his shot has been off. 100% for, for lack of a better definition. Um, that's how important it is for him to get going tonight against Texas because he is your lead dog. He is the guy that you rely on and you haven't had that and you're going to need that tonight. Whether Washington plays or whether um, uh, Ch- uh, McMillan. Mc, yeah, McMillan plays. It, it doesn't matter. If Pop can make those shots, then you're fine. But he has not made those shots in the last, you know, five games that we talked about yesterday. It's Pop and Isaacs need to get going tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to say Darion Williams because the dude is just so consistent. I feel like he's going to get his. Okay, that's I that's think fair. he's going to going to do the job. So mm-hmm. I think it's Joe Tucson number one for me. I, I just think he does so much for the team, both offensively and defensively uh, but offensively him getting in the lane and creating for others and also uh, creating for himself finishing or getting to the free throw line but he's got to be strong with the ball I feel like he he goes into the paint too much looking for contact instead of looking to score and uh, I just think he has to be stronger uh, with the basketball in his hands and and looking to finish so that's that's where I start and the second guy for me is is Robert Jennings. I, I just think that he when he's playing well, he brings an energy and um, gives you some sort of inside presence. Rebounding-wise, you need him. Unfortunately, it feels like it's, uh, it's in every other game for Robert where he'll get himself into foul trouble or just be ineffective. And that's, you know, the consistency that's lacking from him from keeping him from being a really good player. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe this is one of those games with the emotions of the crowd and all that good stuff that you'll see him play with a lot of emotion and play well. So I'm I'm going to go with Joe Toussaint and Robert Jennings. You know, it's 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 interesting. You know, you look at at what uh, Toussaint's done over the last five games, just from a, a turnover standpoint. He's he's only turned the ball over seven times uh, on the on the year, though. He's turned it over thirty times in fourteen games. So. It's probably a little bit less than what he's been doing, right? Maybe right about it. But, um, you know, Pop is, you know, speaking of what Jeff just said, he's turned it over 14 times in the last five games. 
and has made just the three threes. He's averaging under now 10 points at 9.8 points a ball game. Um, yeah, it feels like uh, the struggles for Pop shooting the basketball have affected uh, other parts of his game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah wants to know what's the question. The question is, who are the two guys that need to perform tonight, uh, step up or do something for you uh, to make a difference in the ball game to help you win? So I said Darion Williams and Joe Toussaint. Jeff said Pop and Isaacs. <laughs> Papa and Isaacs, okay, and then Jamie said um, uh, Joe Toussaint and uh, Robert Jennings, which you know, I was kind of toying with Robert Jennings, and I think you made a great point about Darion Williams. I mean, he's been your steady Eddie, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you got to have what he's doing. And but just you need, keep doing what you're doing. And Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Noah says he agrees with Jeff, okay? Uh, somebody else says we will need Kyron Lindsay tonight. Man, he's just he's hardly played at all. Just hardly played at all. Uh, somebody else says this. If Washington isn't playing tonight, I think Kyron Lindsay needs to be ready to go and not look like the moment is too big. He will need to give you big minutes. Doesn't have to be a score, but he can't be a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, Jamie? Yeah, no. I mean, he, he. you just need him to rebound, play defense, be a presence inside. I mean, you've got other scores, right? So if he, mm-hmm. he picks up some loose balls and scores or gets a feed and – Throws it down, hey, that's great, but it's not like you're looking for him to, hey, we're going to run set plays for yeah. Lindsey. Uh, this, Joe T. really needs to pick up the scoring and penetration kick out part of his game again t- tonight. He has been off the radar lately. Okay. Off the radar lately. That's when it's bad to be off the radar. A lot of times it's good to be off the radar, but sometimes it's bad to be off the radar. I try to live my life off the radar. Do you th- I think you do a pretty good job of that. I think, just speaking for myself, I think I do a terrible job of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I do. And some of it's my own damn fault. It, and it's, and it's my, my lips and running my mouth. That, that's what, it's my moneymaker and it's my troublemaker. I mean, let's be honest. If, if you two were planes flying around, Jamie would be the F-22 stealth fighter. You can't even see it when it's next to the radar right. dish. Chuck would be the B-52 that you knew when it took <laughs> off 250,000 miles away. That's, okay, that, that's, a little, that's a little rich coming from you, but I mean, it's the truth. But it's, the, it's, a, little, it's, a, it's a little rich. Um, uh, some other things from the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Rusty writes in, you mentioned the Soapbox Derby last week when I was out running. Well, good for you, Rusty, to be out running. This morning you mentioned Buddy Holly when I was running. Did you know, I did not, Buddy Holly participated in the 1948 Lubbock Soapbox Derby races when he was 11 years old. How about that? The program that shows his participation is on display at the Buddy Holly Center. That's cool. That is cool. Do you think his car also went 300 miles an hour? That was a Pinewood Derby, not a soapbox derby car. There's a big difference. Oh, those are different. Big difference. They are. And it was 500 miles an hour. Because we were breaking Mach 1 with a Pinewood Derby car. Just telling you what what the radar said. I got a picture to prove it. Um, Bobby Hot Dogs. Still wait to see that picture. (laughs) Clyde is near Abilene. They have a Dodge dealership, no box store, and a religious cult nearby called the House of Yahweh. I don't know about that. Clyde High School is on I-20 just before Abilene. 
Clyde is on 287, Chuck. Clyde is just east of Abilene on I-20. Clyde is right outside of Abilene on I-20. Clyde is about 20 miles east of Abilene, right on I-20. <laughs> These people with damn phones, I mean, nobody's got the same answer. Clyde is east of Abilene, 25-ish miles on I-25. I-20, I rather. Clyde is on I-20, just the other side of Abilene. What yeah, is the well, color scheme for the night scheme? Who is who is disagreeing with them? They're, well, I mean, they're, they're all. I mean, well, you should. If you have a phone, you should be able to get pinpoint it exactly. I mean, one just like one says, just the other side. One says twenty-five-ish miles. One says twenty miles. One says right all outside. The same. One says. How one long says have you lived in Texas? Just east. One says on on two eighty-seven on I twenty just before Abilene. I mean, they're... Chuck, how long have you lived in Texas? A long time. The directions include, yeah, just go down the road a ways. You'll find it. You can't miss it on the right-hand <laughs> side. So just past and 20 miles outside is completely different? Yeah, I was looking for, like, exact. <laughs> no, I think they're the same. <laughs> uh, my moneymaker and my troublemaker, in quotes. I wonder if that gets put on the, on the list from Bullfighter. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. We went Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Hour three of three. Hope everybody is uh, doing well and on their way to the place that they're supposed to be so that they're not late for getting to the place that they're supposed to be. We come to you from our place that we're supposed to be, the First United Bank Studio here this morning in downtown Lubbock. Yates Flooring Center chat line is open for you. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app for that. And the Visual Edge IT hotline is open too at 806-771-0973. So uh, I saw this article in the uh, Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And um, it's an article written by Don Williams. And it's uh, regarding the 2025 Texas Tech football schedule. So this coming year, you have seven home games. And with the big money that they're paying in the south end zone for, you know, the nice, pretty suites and loge boxes and everything that's going to be there, the club area, just the the whole, I mean, the $240 million project, the more games you can play at home, the better off you are, right? Mm -hmm. And frankly, on the football field too, obviously the home field advantage, the more games you can play at home, the more likely it is that you're going to win, especially in the early games in the early season, because you're going to schedule teams that, let's face it, aren't quite up to par with yours for the most part. So this coming year, you'll have the seven home games um, that Texas Tech will play, and hopefully everything will be ready to go by August the 31st. And and they say yes, uh, and it looks like they're going to be, I mean, they're, they're pounding it out over there. Um, they're getting ready to put the new scoreboard up. Did you see which, the video yesterday? I did. Looks like they're going to have that done with time to spare. Yeah. For where they're at. Yeah. I mean, the the new double T scoreboard will stand. You've just jinxed them, Jeff. 51 feet above the film deck, which is 120 feet from the ground floor. So, I mean, that thing is going to be massive in the sky. And I was, <laughs> probably shouldn't do this. But I had seen that video, and I was on the on the flyover going home last night on the Marsha Sharp, going towards on the west, going towards the the West Loop. And I was looking back over my shoulder to see, hey, I wonder if I could you can see the scoreboard from that far away, just the, the outline of it. And I, from the flyover on the West Loop. Yeah, to see if you could see the, all the way back. You got to crane your neck a little bit to see if you can find the stadium. <laughs> You're going in the complete opposite direction. I know, I know, but I just wanted to see if you could see it that far away. 
<laughs> and you can't right now because the pillars that are going up are pretty small from that distance. I mean, they're massive when you look at them up close and personal. But this morning as I was coming to work, I was I was Do coming up think, on Jones Stadium. You think you will be able to from that far? Mm, probably not. But I mean, I, I was just. Are you talking about the flyover getting onto the West Loop when you're at the top at the peak there? Yeah, yeah. And you're looking over your neck, uh huh, to see if you can see the stadium there, uh huh. Driving at sixty-five miles an hour, seventy-five, right? Yeah. On a one-lane road, two. That's you know, it's curving. No, no, the flyover, yeah, is one lane. It's one that's lane. One yeah, lane. yeah, one lane. That's you know. <laughs> Well, there's barriers to keep you in the long way down <laughs> and you're looking backwards. Yes. Yes, I did. This is one of those traits you and I do not share. Anyway, you can't. Okay. I just, I'm just here to tell you that you can't. You can't see it right now. Okay. I don't think you will even. Once but you could. You, you can see the pillars through the, you can see the pillars through the stadium as you're, as you're coming up on it. Anyway, the bottom line is this Texas Tech has now, uh, taken the is going to take has traded the road game at Colorado State according to this article for 2025 and instead they're going to buy out of that contract for a million bucks and they're going to pay Kent State to come here and guarantee them 1.5 million dollars so basically you've paid two and a half million dollars for a home game okay so just doing the stupid easy math, okay? Let's just say on average you're able to get an extra 50 bucks for that ticket times 60,000 is $3 million. So while it seems like a lot of money, and I'm sure the folks over at Texas Tech Athletics in the business department and accounting have done, have, have the math down to a science. But because even if even if you do it at forty bucks, that's two point four million, and so you've still basically covered yourself almost. But that extra that extra home game and what you're able to charge your season ticket holders and what your suite holders and everything else before you even get to concessions and parking and stuff like that, it'll more than make up for what you had to pay Colorado State to get out of that game and Kent State to come here to play that game. So you said, I'm, I'm a little confused. You said an extra fifty dollars for that ticket. Yeah. Well, extra what? I mean, what's? Well, they're going to charge you if by instead of having six home games, they're going to charge you for seven home games, and your 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 season ticket price is going to go up because it's seven home games as opposed to six. But only fifty dollars. Well, I don't know. I just used that number. Just I just that that was just an arbitrary number that I picked. Okay, you said extra, like you're going to pay it a certain amount and of. For that ticket, and now it's going no, no, to be no. fifty. No, no, no. I just over in the in the. It's going to get absorbed. Ticket and is going to be increased a little bit more. Expensive. Yeah, because I have no idea. The lucky lady renewed our tickets. I I don't have any idea how much addition our tickets were were this year versus last year, and that's fine because it's an extra game. Mm-hmm. My point is, is that the math, because if you looked at it at the surface, you're like, my God, you paid. Colorado State a million dollars to go away, and you paid Kent State a million and a half to come here. Well, I think most sports fans are are knowledgeable enough to know that the kind of money that the athletic department is making, and so a million dollars doesn't seem like that much. Okay, all right. Well, Would you I mean, agree, I, Jeff, that doesn't seem like a big number to me. 
it, well, it's not an insignificant number. But when you pay somebody just call to it, not come, you're, you're basically paying them not to come, and then you're paying more than what you would normally pay a team to come. I mean, it, you go, you kind of, it does give you pause, but then when you start to think about it a little bit, okay, you start adding in concessions, popcorn, cold beer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, plus what you're able to charge each, which is fine. Again, I got no problem with it. It's just the math. It's a smart decision in my mind because it also gives you the likelihood of, of kind of padding your victory total a little bit and helps you get to that point where, you know, not that you're trying to just get to six, but you want to get to eight or nine or ten, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's, fa- let's face it. Playing at home against Kent State versus going to Colorado State, that's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> and I wonder how much of the Wyoming experience factored into that as well. I wonder. Enough of these, you know, questionable mm-hmm. non-conference road games and non-conference play. Going back to the million dollars, it's not an insignificant amount of money. They're, they know that they're writing that check. But when you factor in what we had to pl- pay – uh, Matt Wells, ten was it ten million? What was that number to make to Nine end or his something. time? Yeah, whatever. And then you factor in other coaches you've had to let go that you've wrote, written that check. Now, granted, most of those were done with don, done with donors, but when you're writing those kinds of checks, the million dollar doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, I, I guess I just feel like if they're willing to do that, it couldn't have been that much. I mean, financially, they know it was the right thing to do. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. But I'm just saying, the person that looks at the headline and goes, oh, my God, you're paying this to this for, for them not to even come. I mean, for Colorado State, it's kind of a boon because they get an extra million bucks, and now they've got a, they've got a game to fill. But you know, they might bring in somebody to their place and pay them 500, so they're up, they're up 500 grand. Maybe so. You know, and Kent State looks at it and goes, hey, that's a million five into our athletic department that we weren't going to have. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.